Hi everyone, welcome to Membership Voice. I'm Caro O'Shea, the coordinator of the Voice and host for this evening's webinar. A very special welcome to tonight's presenter, District 9510 Membership Chair Fiona Biederman. Welcome, Fiona. Hello and thank you. And I see familiar faces. How reassuring is that? <laughs> <laughs> Fiona, I have an apology, as I mentioned before, from past District Governor David Egan, a very keen supporter of your program and a wonderful Assistant Rotary Coordinator. David's unable to be with us tonight, but he does uh, send his apologies. Importantly now, though, I want to acknowledge the Noongar Wadjuk people who are the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm hosting tonight's webinar. I acknowledge the strength of their continuing culture and offer my respects to elders past, present and emerging. And Fiona has a, brings a wonderful resume to this job as a, as a district membership chair, being a business change leadership coach, training specialist, passionate about change and making a difference in the world. Rotary, we need you. And thrives thrive best when she's working with groups on projects and in workshops very relevant to tonight's presentation. Fiona's aim is to provide guidance and advice to individuals and groups, and challenge them to find the best solutions in their own situation. Over to you, please, Fiona. Awesome. All right, guys, I'm going to kick off and share my screen. So just bear with me and technology will all be kind. So I am going to be facing a second screen. So for any of you that are looking at me, Look at, look at what we're showing instead. So I guess what I want to... Hold on, we've got to get the clicker working. Why is the clicker not working? Bear with me for a second. All right. So what I'm going to take you through today is a Steps for Success um, program that I've put together. It's something that we've rolled out at Assembly and, and across our district. Being that I'm in coaching, I'm using an actual coaching model, which is called the critical alignment model. And it's about excellence in building leadership capability. And I guess when I look at membership, I think a lot of it is about our leadership capability, but I also come from the belief that membership is everybody's responsibility. It's not just the leaders of the club, it's everybody's responsibility. So the one thing that I say here, I don't know why my mouse is being a bit technical, a bit temperamental. Um, all of this and what I'm going to show you, I, I just want to put a bit of a caveat on it, that there's no right or wrong and that every club is different and every club needs to incorporate these principles into their, their club and what it does. Your members are different. You might have different ways of working. I look at the club that I come from and any of you that know Mark Huddleston know that Seaford's a little bit different. Um, but I want you to put this with the frame of what your club's like and, and what will work for you and what won't. Um, I don't think there's any right or wrong about how we do things. So I'm going to kick off. You're going to send through your questions to Caro. So I'm going to go at a bit of a clip. I normally do this presentation with what I call a steps for success playbook, but what I've done is bring some of that into the presentation. So when you get the recording or the download, then you've got those questions that I refer to as well. So it might seem a little bit text heavy, but that's so that you've got it as a reference point afterwards. All right. I see there's being three C's of successful leadership. And my call to action to all of you tonight is to look at this of what you can do differently 
in your own club or your own district. And I don't think anybody ever should go to a training or a workshop without taking it away at least a couple of actions that they can implement themselves. So I make it very much so you can do that. So three C's of successful leadership and especially in terms of membership, communication. I think we get really good at telling people what's happening. We're not so good at telling them why things are happening. And that's a core sort of element of any sort of change that's coming through. We don't just tell them what, we tell them why. And when we can connect it to what the club's doing or the values that our club hold really high, then we're successfully communicating the what and the why. So that's number one. Number two, collaboration. We need to bring people to, together to plan and execute, and that's a big part of leadership, where we include our members very early on in our decision-making, and again, aligning to that vision and direction, then that's where we're really winning in how we actually lead. And collaboration isn't just within our clubs. I think collaboration is across clubs and working with other service groups, other businesses in our area as well. I think collaboration is a big thing that we need to get better at doing and building those partnerships. And the third one, of course, is commitment. I think successful leaders need to be actually walking their own talk. We need to actually make sure that our beliefs and our behaviours actually support what we're talking about. If we're saying that we're really energetic and we're excited, but we're walking around moping and moaning about everything that's going on in the world or in our club, then it's really hard for people in our club to actually follow our direction. So we've got to be walking our own talk, okay? And I think leaders that can step out of their comfort zone and do, some, do things a little bit differently, that's where you're going to start, you know, kicking some goals. So, what I'm going to show you is what's called a critical alignment model. It's based around four simple dimensions. And why I like this is it really helps us understand where we might have gaps in our thinking, in our communication or in the things that we do. It's a really tangible way of actually being able to align some of the stuff we do. So there's four of them and I'm going to go through and explain each one of these and then give you some steps that you can take around each one. So environment, structure, implement and people. So the benefits of using a model is its best practice. It also gets everybody talking in the same language if you bring something like this into your club or your district. It gives all members one united focus. It helps us discover those gaps, okay, and how we can close those gaps. So it gives us solutions and it also provides us a way to receive feedback. And hopefully that's going to make a little bit more sense when I start going through them. So we start with environment. Environment is the culture of your, of your club, even your district. Okay, it's, it's how we treat each other. It's how we speak to each other. It's what's important. It's what's on show to our members. So when somebody walks into your club, how do they feel? What do they see? What do they hear? I'll give you an example where this is really relevant. And our district governor who owns Paradise Motors loves this concept because he gets it. So my husband, when I was first doing this training, my husband wanted to look at a new car. God knows we don't need a new car. But anyway, he went into a dealership here and I won't tell what dealership, but he went into that dealership. He stood there for 10 minutes and not one person came up to ask him what he was doing. 
Now, this is a man that's ready to go and spend dollars. Nobody come and spoke to him. He went up and he actually approached um, one of the ladies behind the counter and said, look, I'd like to talk to somebody. She said, everybody's in a meeting. Nobody's available to talk to you at the moment. They'll be about 10 minutes. So he thought, okay, I'll sit and wait. 10 minutes later, nobody came out. He waited another five minutes. He got up and he walked out of that dealership. There's a lost sale. Now I know we're talking sales, but it's the same in mem in when we're talking membership and we're talking about clubs. When somebody new comes into your club, does anybody talk to them? And I know there are clubs where this happens where they don't. You need to make people feel special and how you make people feel is a really big part of your culture and what your club stands for. So we look at this, some questions to ask yourself, and I'm not going to read every one of these, but again, it's some things to think about. I want you to consider when somebody actually does come into your club, how are they treated? So is there any idea of what your club stands for, what your goals are? Do you talk about that? Do you give new people your full attention and make them feel special? You know, a big thing, you, you can have somebody that specifically greets people coming in. How do your current members treat each other? How does your club feel? I know there's clubs and I visited them myself where everybody has their own seat and a newcomer gets put somewhere else because you can't sit in somebody's seat. And these are really small things that we think aren't important, but to somebody coming in who's probably already feeling a little bit uncomfortable, it's a really important part of what our, our club stands for. What behaviours and actions are on show and are we clear on what's important? Now, here's where you get some tangible tips that you can actually do. Walk your talk, and I spoke about this as a leadership skill. Your actions and your behaviours define the culture of your club. If you want people to feel welcome, then you've got to actually make them feel welcome. And that goes for everybody. When you start all doing that sort of thing, it sort of just generates a, a special sort of energy. Another one which some clubs do really well, my own included, some not so good. But creating an information pack for newcomers which tells them a little bit about your club and what your club actually does, projects you've been doing, what's important to you, what you value. This is really important stuff when we're bringing in new members or even members that have been there for a while that really aren't sure what we're doing. Ensuring someone's available to welcome them and introduce them and maybe not just the first time they visit, but when they come back, making sure there's always somebody to greet them. And you know what? When we say that membership isn't just the responsibility of one person, every member in your club should be actually on guard looking at this and being sort of aware of anybody coming into a meeting. Lean in, be curious, ask questions, learn more about why people joined Rotary, why they're coming to a meeting, why they're coming to a project, why are they there, what's important to them. All of that sets the tone for what your club's about. All right, next one we go to, structure. Structure is the second part. Once we actually understand our environment and the culture of our club, structure is it really enables you to replicate things and empowers people to take action. So let me tell you, if you have stress and overwhelm in your club, it's usually a lack of structure or process and people knowing how things get done. So internally, it's a way of thinking and making decisions and having some structure around that. 
externally at systems and processes within the club of how you do things. So how you set up projects, how you assign volunteers, that sort of thing. So if we have a look at these questions to ask yourself, new members, even current members, how do you manage them? Do you have a process that actually you invite them, you induct them? Is that known? Is that just ad hoc, make it up as we go, depending on who it is? Or is it something that you follow the same process? I know one club that I heard about where new membership chair going in, thought she was doing it all perfectly, new member coming on board, she thought she'd done it all, she got them to a meeting, they wanted to sign up, but she'd missed a step of the process because she hadn't actually done the interview process, but nobody had ever told her and nobody had ever explained what the process was. So they knocked back that member of actually being inducted because of a slip in the process. Sometimes we've got to be smart about what do we value more, that person being a part of our club or following a strict process. So there's a balance there. How do you communicate? Are your methods for communicating with your members clear and understood? So some clubs have Facebook pages, some clubs have newsletters. However that is, make sure that there's a clear structure and people know how to find information. And again, what is your club criteria for choosing projects? How do you deal with challenges? How do you explore new ideas? All of these are key things in setting up some structure so people know what happens and how it happens. So some tips for success, document the way things are done from decision-making to communicating. And then I'm gonna add the next one, which is really important. It doesn't have to be complicated. The simpler you make any sort of decisions of how things happen, the easier it is. It can be a couple of dot points. It can be part of, of how you put your, your information pack together, which has that information. Don't overcomplicate anything because if you overcomplicate it, it all falls apart. Consider how having simple structures in place can help emerging leaders step into, into roles. Sometimes people won't step up because they're afraid of making a mistake or not knowing what to do. When you've got a structure, it's easier for people to step up. And I want you to explore where having more, more structure might simplify how you do some of those things, how you communicate, how you fundraise, how you coordinate events. And again, I'm going to come back to the thing of take the bits of this that work for you. Don't run away and try to do all of it. Take one or two things that you can try. All right, next one, implement. Implement is once we've got a structure, how do we take action? This is the actual action of doing things. So what do you do? What do you discuss? What do you decide? So it's really that next step on from once we know what we're doing, who does it and when do we do it? So questions to ask yourself. Obviously members are more engaged when they actually know what's expected of them. Okay, when they know how they can actually be a part of what you're doing. And I know we don't do it intentionally, but I think in some clubs, we're so committed to making it all go right and to doing the right thing that sometimes we think it's just easier if we do it ourselves. We've been there a long time. We know how things need to be done, but that's really, really excluding newcomers who want to be a part of it. So sometimes we need to actually look at how do we share that? 
Do we let people actually be involved and learn how we do things? Do we let them step up? I know clubs <laughs> won't let the newcomer cook the barbecue because they might not cook the sausages the right way. That's not a way to be inclusive and actually involve people. So it's just looking at those things and looking at how we can involve people and engage them. Do you spread the workload and involve everybody? There should never be a club where only one or two members are monopolising all of the work or activity or that that's their sole job. And I know that's a difficult thing because sometimes that's how people feel safe. But if we're talking about inclusive clubs and engagement, these are really key things that can make a real big difference. This is a really um, important one. I think it's about recognising achievements and successes and sharing them, not only with your members, but with your local community. I know my own club, we're really, really good at telling people how good we do things. And that's a really important part of our brand is, is sharing our successes and really wanting to engage with people and saying, these are the things we're making a difference. Come and be a part of this. We need to get better at that. I think in the past, Rotarians, Rotary Clubs, we've all sort of said, you know, oh, we do our thing. We don't want to make a big deal about it. But for Rotary to grow and for us to attract younger people, we've got to actually be shouting it from the rooftops and being proud of what we're doing. I'm actually running a leadership coaching program at the moment. And we've got the, the president of the Rotaract Club in our, in our leadership group. And one of the things she asked is, how can I share that, that acknowledgement across our group without it being one-sided for you know, a few people? How do we make them feel special? And one of the things that I know in my own club we do is giving a small group of people every week an opportunity just to talk about something good that's happened, a 60-minute sort of little window to tell us about you and, and what's been good. So explore ways that you can actually make people feel a part of what you're doing. And the other one here is how are decisions made? Some clubs actually involve their whole club, the smaller ones definitely, in in involving the, all of the club in decisions that need to be made. Some are made by boards, some are made by committees. It doesn't matter how you do it, just make sure it's known and make sure that you're actually still giving people a voice in whatever way that looks or, or sounds. So tips for success. This is a really great one that I do with clubs. When I go out and talk about membership, I actually give them three coloured sticky notes each. So green, yellow and red. And I look at what, what's good. So what needs to be expanded? What can you do more of? That's a green. Red is what's not so good and what needs to change. And yellow is what contributes to your success or what would you like to try that might make a difference? It's a really good way at looking at what do we do really good and what do we not do so good? Let's do more of what we do good. And it helps clubs focus on what actually helps them move forward and engages people. Because let's face it, when we're doing stuff that feels good, we all feel good. And that energy actually contributes to your environment and the culture of what you're doing. Consider who can support individuals to grow and develop. I think this is a really big one. I think we need to get better at mentoring and supporting both the members that we have and incoming people helping them learn a little bit more, helping them be involved in what we do, understanding why they're there. 
you know, where we can put in buddies or mentors, I think that's a really good way to utilise the knowledge we have in clubs. There's a huge amount of resources available through the Learning Centre. There's always stuff that's shared about membership through newsletters. So use some of that stuff. I think that's a really good way of taking action and making changes. And this is one that I love, and I saw a really excellent example of this, but creating a showcase of your wins and your successes, whether it's on social media, whether it's in a handout, one of the ones I saw the other day was um, a club that actually has set up a window in a supermarket, like it's a, it's a shopping centre, like just a static window, but it's got some things from their projects, it's got some action photos, it's got some information. We should be actually sharing information in the community and doing a showcase of those sort of things in whatever way form works for you. We do a lot of ours on social media using Facebook, we're always sharing action, what we're doing, why we're doing it. So last one, most important one, your people. Whether you're potential members or whether you're current members, people are absolutely the heart and soul of what we do, who we support and why we exist. And I think it's really important, especially as leaders and especially of those that look at membership, is understanding what's important to your members, what motivates them, what they're passionate about, why they joined Rotary. And I always tell this story, I have an absolute favourite in our club. He's the first person I ever inducted as a president. He's now 87 years old. He is absolutely passionate about raising funds for ovarian cancer. He lost his wife three or four years ago to ovarian cancer. And this has almost become his reason for being. And he has raised tens of thousands of dollars for ovarian cancer. When we first met him, we were doing, um, doing the, a, a local member of parliament's office opening. And Dean came up to us and asked us if he could actually get us to cook a barbecue for a fundraiser that he was doing for ovarian cancer. And our club got involved in that and supported that. And I think for about six months, we said, you should come join Rotary. You know, we could support you and you could be a part. And he said, nah, I'm too busy, too busy, got too much on. And then he joined us and we partner regularly with him. We support his causes and what he does. And he is one of the most visible, active members of our community that I've ever come across. At 87, he has more energy than most 20-year-olds I know. So when you find out what your members are passionate about and what drives them, that again adds to the energy and the culture of your club. Another one that we had was a young lady who was very passionate about suicide prevention and awareness, which brought one of the biggest projects we ever did in running a community walk for suicide prevention and awareness and raising funds for that. Your club members are your greatest source of projects you should be doing. So talk to them, ask them what they want to do, what they want to be involved in. And this comes back to, again, I talked about recognising your people. It's also recognising and engaging them. I think what, what's important to them, valuing their opinions, being approachable and available. If there's something that is important to them, if you're approachable, then they will come to you if it's something that they want to do. 
you know, ask your members what what projects you should be doing or what does what's needed in the community. One of the things I actually did with one of our clubs, um, they were looking for projects. They had a bucket load of money, a bucket load of resources and no idea where to actually take any of that. And so what we actually did with them is they actually, in their Bunnings barbecue, handed out just a little, little slip to everybody that actually came up and bought a sausage and asked those people to tell us what your community needs and what you'd like to see us doing in the community. Ask for their contact details and then contacted those people back to say, talk to us about what this project could be and whether you'd like to be involved. Now we did a little, um, I think it was a $50 gift voucher for one person. So there was an incentive for them to actually give us their ideas. What a wonderful way of connecting with your community and asking them what's important for them and what they can see. There's your potential members without any huge effort required whatsoever. So they found projects that they could actually look at and they found potential people that were passionate about those ideas. So I'm always still a big advocate on doing a club health check, member survey, whatever you need it to be, but touching base with your members and finding out what they want to know more of. And I guess this is a really big bit. We talk about as leaders walking our talk but I think sometimes we also need to walk in the shoes of our members or our potential members and understand where they're coming from and what's important for them. It helps us be more empathetic and more compassionate to what's, what matters. Involve them in the things that matter, especially to them. Okay, and the best way you can do that is to ask them what matters to them. Ask questions, get curious, find out what drives them, what excites them. Explore different ideas that appeal to different needs and wants. Don't assume that everybody in your club wants the same things or has the same needs. Best thing you can do is just talk to them. And again, don't assume that you know what they need. Ask them. This was a really big thing that came up in leadership coaching last night. Um, I've got two young people, so Rotaractors in that group. And one of them said, sometimes clubs assume they know what we need. All they have to do is ask us because sometimes it's it's totally different. So ask people what they need. Ask young people what they need, what's important to them. And I guess this is the absolute overarching thing. People will go where they are needed, but they stay where they're appreciated. Appreciate your people and what matters to them and you start building a club that's really strong. So last thing, ideas to consider, to sum it all up. There's no one size fits all, okay? All I'm saying is try different things, partner with other clubs, explore new ways of doing, just don't sit unmoving and unchanging and hoping that your club's gonna grow or get better. And all clubs can improve. Doesn't matter how good your club is, there's always room for improvement and innovation and new ideas. Determine the most effective means of communication. Communication, is absolutely key to success in any part of life, okay? But we need to make sure that we're reaching everybody, not just a few, and we need to have several different options. So in our club, we use Facebook. We have um, an, an app that we actually use to communicate. We use email, and we have a members-only part on Facebook as well. So we have lots of different areas because some of our members aren't on Facebook. 
So make sure you've got different ways of communicating with people. Provide a support structure to assist your members emotionally and practically so they can engage. Sometimes that's just having conversations with people. It's having buddies, it's having mentors. Have a structure that supports your members and that somebody can talk to. Get clear on who your members are and why they joined Rotary, what's important. Okay, the clearer you are on why people are there, the better chance you have of retaining them and never assume. And I guess this is a really big one, especially as membership chairs or leaders, you don't have to have all the answers. I guess the biggest thing you can do is reach out to those that are around you. We've got districts, we've got zones, we've got leaders, we've got other clubs. Ask people, talk to people. You don't have to ever have all the answers. And be innovative, try something new. And if it doesn't work, don't be concerned about it. Accept it, try it, move on. It doesn't matter, but change is all about trialing new things, exploring new ways of being, and you don't have to do it in this massive, oh, we're gonna change everything, tiny steps. If you do one or two things that I've suggested tonight in your club, in your district, you will make a difference and that gains momentum. So progress is impossible without change. And I guess this is a big one. Those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. So we need to be progressive. We need to explore new ideas. And this one, this is my beautiful club. Changing your perspective changes your experience. So sometimes looking at things a little bit differently can totally change how you see things and what you do. So the um, critical alignment model I showed you is actually from the Coaching Institute. As a coach with them, I'm allowed to use that, which is why I've shared it with you tonight. So just so you're understanding it's copyright with permission. That's me. Give me your best questions. Well, well, thank you. Thank you, Fiona. We do have some questions for you. Hope they're not uh, hard. Well, okay. I'll, leave, I, I'll start with an easy one. <laughs> yeah, we well, can. Yes, you can. I'll start with an easy one. I start. This, this is almost a Dorothy Dixon, but I think it's in, but I think it's important because, okay, looking at the future of Rotary, being being a bit of a futurist, and the health of clubs, how important is the success of things like your leadership development program and local implementation of the small steps that you've talked about and why? Why is it important? Because you can't stand still. My, my leadership coaching program is just one way. It may not necessarily be the best or the only way, but it's something that we're doing at the moment. Okay, I think sometimes we wait for these big grand plans to come together or things to be done when it's just those small things that we can be doing. I've got 12 people that are doing that, that leadership coaching program at the moment, which goes over 12 weeks. It's a starting point. And that came out of, we had six presidents in our district resign last year in a three month period. And I just wanted to cry that that happened. That absolutely just distressed me immensely. And I think in Rotary, we need to get better at supporting our leaders and we need to do anything that we can to do that. So while Rotary International has a whole heap of stuff that we can tap into and we can do, we also need to just 
look at our people and see what they need at that moment and do something. There's probably lots of people here that have much better answers than me to that, but I think doing something is better than doing nothing or just hoping that it's going to fix itself. I think so too, and that takes us to perhaps the next thing. We talk about leadership and we've seen any number of examples of good leadership produce good outcomes, but then things seem to come un- sort of seem to come unstuck. How important is continuity of leadership? collaboration between successive leaders? <laughs> That's a really interesting question, and I think I've, I've, I've had lots of those discussions. Continuity is important. I think that's where sometimes we come unstuck. We can have a wonderful president in a club, a wonderful district governor who's doing all of the right things, who's leading, who's empowering, and then we have somebody come in the next year who wants to redo it all and do it totally different. And I don't think that necessarily hurt, helps in in clubs continuity and people feeling supported in what they're doing so I think there has to be some element of where we have a vision and we have a direction as a club and as a district which everybody's a part of I mean we you become a a president-elect well when I did it was 18 months I think it's usually two years before that I actually stepped into those shoes I need to be part of all of those decisions going forward and and what's happening and we need to get better at doing that so there is that sustainability and continuity of what's happening and we're not switching and changing. Switching and changing personally is more about ego than it is about what's best for the club and I think we need to get past that and actually look at what's best for the club, not what's best for me as the leader. Well, if we look at two recent examples, that, or in fact, there are a number of them, uh, but two, I'll, I'll pick two that we've looked at in Membership Voice, two, two incredibly successful uh, a, a club in a district. One is District 9640 in uh, oh, You're not going to talk about Queensland. Andy. I'm going to talk about Andy. No. Measure up to him. <laughs> no, no, but see, it's, see the, the success story there, as Andy will tell you, wasn't just Andy because his three predecessors built a base. They yes. stabilised things, they put things in place, and Andy, Andy, Andy triggered a bunch of things based on that previous success, and now he's, he's working with his successor. But the thing there was about continuity, not yeah. egos, about people stepping back, but not stepping back into real obscurity, stepping back to do valuable things to, to, build, to help build this, this incredible success story. The other one is Rotary Adelaide, you know, dead in the water five, uh, six years ago, dead in the water, and they got every, they enrolled everyone and they've done an, an amazing turnaround story. And both are based on continuity of leadership. Yeah, and, and I totally agree. And, and I guess what I said about Andy, I, I, I think for any of us sitting back in... in in the real world we go holy cow like that's impressive what he's done and I do know that he has involved and it is very much about continuity and and handover and and I think it's really important that the club goes on the journey and the leaders go on the journey I don't think it's just you know one president who comes in that's part of leadership is taking everybody you know, I use an analogy in change when I, I talk and also in my leadership coaching that I'm doing is that that blurry view out the front window, you know, where it's raining and you can't see where you're going. 
as a leader, I'm driving the bus. I need to be clear on what I'm going because everybody's on the bus with me. But when I actually hand over the driving responsibility to the next leader, we still need to have that clear vision of where we're all going and that we're going in the same direction. So continuity is absolutely core. And I don't, I don't think that that's something that comes naturally to a lot of people unless they work in leadership roles. And then let me be honest, I don't think some leaders in leadership roles actually do that so well. So I think that's core to what we actually need across districts to be supporting people to be better at that. And that that's almost a given that that's what you do rather than the exception. Thanks, Fiona. A, a question, digressing a little bit here, but a, a, a good question here from uh, past District Governor Tim Moore, who we all know was a, a past Rotary Membership Coordinator for Zone 8. Great job, Fiona. Can you give clubs an idea of how they can develop leaders in their clubs? <sighs> the best thing I can recommend, find who's doing it well in your district and start building those mentoring uh, sort of roles and those support roles. We've got some really wonderful leaders in our district and that's where I'm tapping into them. I'm also putting something together so I have that benefit. But you know what? We have so much knowledge and skills in our clubs and I don't think we tap into it. Our district governor is very big on vocation and, and honouring the skills we have. Every single district has those skills amongst them, find them, bring them to the fore and figure out what your district needs. I think that's the best thing you can do is finding where that is in your, in your district. And it might be a different version in every district, but it's still a version of leadership that you can support your presidents. I think we need to do more at supporting our presidents and actually not just teaching them about Rotary, but teaching them how to lead effectively. Thanks, Fiona. Looking at another side of this, um, RI Director Jessie last week spoke about the, her approach to change management, which is an asset-based approach, looking at positives. How important do you think it is for, for new leaders to adopt, say, an asset-based approach as opposed to, say, a deficit-based approach? Absolutely core. And, and I talk about it in probably just slightly different terms, but same concept. I talk about strengths. I think all clubs, and I do this in my membership talks when I go out to clubs, what does your club do well and how can you do more of that? And I think we need to focus on that rather than what are we not doing well and what have we messed up and what's not been good. Focus on what you do well and build on that because, again, when you know, I talked about environment and building your culture. If your club's winning and doing good things and feeling good about what they're doing and building on their strengths, then that's that's what shines through and that's what's on display. So, sorry, I, I'm very passionate about strengths and a focus on that. So that will be always what I advocate for. Fantastic. Thanks, Fiona. One of our, one of our um, membership voice uh, alumni who's in the audience at the moment, Mark Huddleston, has <laughs> spoken about square pegs or, and round holes and how clubs, ex traditional clubs in some cases, expect people to, you know, to shape up to the hole available for them. Obviously, we've accepted, I think, that a successful club needs to adapt, but what role does a leader play in that process of 
adapting to new people. Cool. Thanks for that one, Mark. Jeez. <laughs> um, I just think we've got to come back to basics of we're humans. Like we all have our little quirks. We all have our different ways of doing things. I think sometimes in a leadership role, we just have to accept that we're all different and that's what makes our clubs what they are. We don't all have to necessarily do it the same way. I think we need to focus on more what are the outcomes we want to achieve and what's the best way for that person to get there. I think sometimes we want everybody to fit in this little cookie cutter shape of this is how a leader looks and this is how you have to do it. And I think we need to embrace some of that diversity and some of those different ways of doing things as long as we're still going in the bus in the same direction and we're getting to the same place. I don't know that that exactly answers the question, but I think we need to be more flexible and a little bit more open to different ways of doing and different ways of being. Sounds pretty good to me, Fiona. One of the things that comes with a hundred with an organisation that's uh, a successful organisation that's over a hundred years old is that there are traditions and things. Sitting next to that tradition can be some some pretty ordinary baggage in the cloakroom. What part does baggage play in terms of history derailing the future? <laughs> Sorry, I think baggage needs to be in the back seat and not looked back at. I actually had this question asked. Well, I didn't have it asked, but it actually came up last night in our leadership program. There was two two of the girls that were in my group that started talking about, oh, this we do this wrong and we haven't done this and we haven't done that. And I think sometimes it's drawing a line in the sand of, yes, that might have been the case, but let's just look at solutions. How can we move forward and what's going forward? We spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror. We need to focus on going forward and what solutions do we have? So I think that's definitely getting into the mindset of solutions focus rather than, and again, it comes back to a strengths focus or, you know, moving forward rather than a deficit of what's not right or what have we done wrong. Hmm. Thanks, Fiona. Looking at technology, before 2020, I think there were a lot of clubs that were happy being traditional face-to-face -face things and they saw things like Zoom as being the work of the devil. COVID-19 changed that abruptly and dramatically. A lot of clubs embraced technologies with in many cases with a grimace, but did it reasonably successfully. But how has that adoption of technology technology change the role and say responsibilities and opportunities for leaders? I think it's opened up a wealth of opportunities and that's how we should be looking at it. I think it forced us into a place where a lot of people weren't ready to go but I think it, it's and it's not just rotary it, it's life like the opportunities I started a new job this week is entirely remote. I spend my whole day in meetings on Zoom and working remotely with people all over Australia. And I, that I think is exciting. It opens up so much more. One of the one of the girls in my leadership program 
is now in Canberra. She can still sign in. So I think we need to look at how it works for our clubs. I don't think you can just put a, as I say, one size fits all. This is what we need to do. I think each club needs to look at, at how they can use technology, how they can embrace it to do more. And a lot of the a lot of why we resist it is the fear. We don't know or we're afraid we're going to mess it up or we don't want to look silly. And I think sometimes clubs just need to look at how they can actually overcome that fear. And that might be, you know, maybe you have a meeting where you sit around and everybody learns how to do Zoom in a group situation. It's owning it and then it's finding a solution of how you can work with it and making it work for your club. Hmm. Thanks, Fiona. There's a, a bit of a, a recurrent kind of theme there, and I think maybe we might turn directly to that. This issue, say, particularly with, say, more senior people, I think, this, this issue of fear of failure percolates, percolates through in it. How significant is that for us? God, that's just human behaviour. Like nobody wants to to fail. We all want to feel like we belong. We all want to feel like we make a difference. And and change threatens that. You know, if we have to do something different, well, we might not know how to do it. So I I think we need to instead of avoiding it, I, I think sometimes we need to call it out and we need to find ways to move forward with it. I don't think there's any easy answer to that because it is human behaviour and we all have a lifetime of beliefs and patternings behind us that, that make us who we are and make us act the way we do. But I think if you bring it down to an individual, if you're talking about conflict or disagreement or, you know, things that aren't working in your club, I bring it back to where we just focus on the people. It, it's having those non-confrontational conversations with them and trying to get to the bottom of why they're actually upset, frustrated, concerned. It's not having a big group conversation where you put them on, a, on the spot and make them feel bad. It's taking them aside and say, look, you know, I noticed that this happened or you, you were a little bit hesitant. Is there anything I can help you with or is there anything we can support you? And we need to come back to that compassionate way of talking to people and dealing with people and not assuming that we actually know what's really going on for them. Mm. So <laughs> comes back to communication. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this this is really this is pretty important because one of the, one of the, the issues that, in fact, I think it's second on the list. Unresolved conflict is a primary cause of a lot of very very good Rotarians and the person or the people who are on, on the ground to be able to change that are leaders in their own clubs. If you had a situation like that, can you just talk us through again how, how you would address that? You've got two people who are, who are at loggerheads and things are, things are deteriorating. How would you deal with that? Oh, this is one of the modules we do in leadership training. I haven't got to it yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I guess the big thing is, People need to be heard. They need to have an opportunity to actually say what's going on, and that's not doing it in a group setting. That's not doing it with the other person there. It's it's sitting with somebody that can actually listen to what's being said, understand what's being said without judgment and that sort of thing, and that can be really quite difficult. 
but finding out where that person's coming from. And, you know, sometimes it can be the smallest things that just escalate because we don't deal with them early. We let them fester and we let them actually get out of control and it, it actually results in we don't do something until the person resigns or, you know, throws their hands in the air and has a screaming hissy fit. I think if we're noticing those signs of, of unrest or conflict, it's about individually talking to them, but then trying to find a way to mediate because in any conflict, both parties need to win in some way. You need to have them feeling like they're getting something. You can't have one outright winner and one loser. That, that doesn't work. You need to find a middle ground. And I think it's getting better at dealing with it early I think in, in Rotary, my experience in my last few years is we tend to just pretend it's not happening until it's too bad and then you can't pull it back and you can't fix it and then we say things we don't mean and feelings get hurt and, and rash actions happen. So it, it's about not being afraid of it. It's about actually helping people, you know, to work together. I, I don't think there's an easy answer, but I think we need to get better at not avoiding it. Thanks for you. The, we recently had Jasmine Dillon and Stuart MacArthur on from Rotary Southbank telling us how they doubled the size of their club by creating a network of, of satellites, of in-house satellite clubs. And one of the things that, that Jasmine spoke to about the success of their model was how they had dealt successfully with the you like the aspirations of a bunch of young leaders who came on their board through these satellites and, and I suppose this is the storming stage of things, they all really all wanted their day, their day in the sun on day one. How, this, is a, this is a nice problem to have. If you're confronted with that, how would you deal with it? Oh, bring it on. How do I? <laughs> I think that would be a wonderful problem to have. Yeah. It's an interesting one because I, I still think it, this might sound like I've said it a, a hundred times. It comes back to communication and understanding what people want and, and how you can make that all work. And I think with those sort of things, if you've got a whole heap of people that, you know, want to come to the forefront, it's we're all adults. Let, let's sit down and, and figure out how we can do that and, and making sure everybody has a voice, uh, I think that's really important and and that you you have a plan that everybody's a part of. I haven't been in that situation, so I'm not sure that I'm the best person to answer it, but, man, I think that would be an awesome, <laughs> awesome problem to have. <laughs> well, yeah, Jasmine and the, t and the team there seem to have handled it all rather well, but I just thought, thought I would ask ask your advice on, on that while we, while we were talking about it. Now, this is a related issue in terms of it involving inclusion, but a different group of people. We've heard a lot of bad press about older Rotarians and negativity and resistance to change. But one of the things that came out of the incredibly successful uh, Rotary Adelaide renovation program was they had a group of older members and if those people hadn't got involved in the change, the bus wasn't going anywhere. 
what they did was share stories about these guys so that other people came to appreciate their their histories and their their what what they achieved. What would you do if you were say do, say doing handling a club renovation like that? We were bringing on a change group of older members. How would you deal with it? <laughs> Can I say the same word again? Communication. <laughs> talk to people. I, I think I'm a really big one who will say. Ageism is the worst thing you can ever say. I gave an example of Dean, who's 87 in our club. It's not about age. It's It's got nothing to do about age. Age is an excuse, I think, we use. And same, you can have young people that will do less than most people twice their age. So I don't, I don't think we can pigeonhole people into age, but everybody has a need to be seen, to be heard, to be a part of something important. If you understand what that is and involve them, then I think you're halfway there to actually bringing about change. And I think that's what Adelaide did beautifully. They spoke to those people. They involved those people. They didn't only give them the what they wanted to do, that they gave them the why they wanted to do it. So it came back to understanding and to going through it. They collaborated with them. They brought them along on the journey really early. So they involved them in that. And then everybody committed to this is what we were doing. So three C's of successful leadership, Adelaide did, absolutely gangbusters. Thanks, Fiona. It might seem, I guess, seem obvious, but sometimes when we have a leader who's not confident, who may have perhaps been in a situation of confrontation or whatever, Starting a change process, that very first, that first baby step can be can be difficult. What advice would you offer a new leader in that situation? Come do my leadership coaching program and let's support <laughs> you to, to build some of those skills. I, I think as clubs, we need to recognize that when people are being brave enough to step up and make sure that we've got a really strong support network around them so that they don't feel alone because really. The president is just driving the bus, but everybody else needs to be on that bus going with them and everybody should be supporting them. And, and if, if the, the president loses their way, they still need people around them to support them in, in staying on track. So I think it comes back to let, let's build strong club environments and build our cultures so that we are supporting our leaders. Not And I know this happens where it's almost like if you're the last person to, to put down your hand, then you're it. That, that's not a way. We, we need to be supporting and having those structures so leaders do want to step up. And even if they are a little unconfident and um, non-confident, they feel that they've still got people that have got their back and will, will help them. And I think we need to get better at doing that. Mm. Thanks, Fiona. This is a question that I'm sure that others are going to ask. Tim has already touched on it. If others wanted to emulate your program or to, to say, deliver something similar elsewhere, what, what would be the best way for them to go about doing that? Speak to me and I'll send you the slides and I'll talk you through it because I, I, I don't want to own this and, and it's, it's a model that I'm using already and I'm already using our president who has coaching skills who's going through the program as, a, as somebody who may be able to take it forward. I don't want to own this. I, I think it's knowledge that we need to share. What, I, what I'm actually taking people through is not rocket science. It, it's leadership and it's being a decent human being. 
And I think anybody with a bit of leadership ability and a bit of not afraid to, to talk to people would be able to take it through. So I've shared it with a number of people already. And, and I guess that's why I've got a couple of people that are doing my program so they can get comfortable with how it runs so that it can. And I'm not saying it's the be all and end all or that it's the only solution, but you can take what I've done and grow it. Do what you need it to be for your area, your club, your district. And I think that's what we need to do. I'm not precious about owning this at all. Mm. I, I, I'm doing what's what's right for Rotary, what I feel is important for our districts and our clubs. And I think that's what most people that are doing these things across Rotary are doing them for because they see a gap, they have the skills and knowledge and they want to contribute. Service above self internally. Yeah, well, it makes it better for everybody. <laughs> like, it really. Does. It <laughs> does, and it's fantastic. It's fantastic. I have one more question for you, Fiona, seeing as if we've been... You've been working diligently for an hour and producing some some great content for us. Thank you, Fiona. Fiona Beatham, membership chair, district uh, super district nine five one zero. Why are you in Rotary? Oh, because Mark got me at a weak spot. No, <laughs> do you know what? I don't. Uh, and I'll tell you a little story because there's a reason I am in Rotary. So I actually did some work back a few years ago with a club. I was working with a, um, an organisation that was doing stuff for domestic violence and one of the, the Rotary Clubs in the Adelaide Hills was working with them and I was just so impressed about how they did things. I'll be quite honest, at my age, I didn't even know Rotary existed, which makes me really sad these days. And so I went home and I got on Mr Google because Mr Google's my best friend and I thought Rotary Clubs in my area and the websites were absolutely appalling. I couldn't find anybody that met regularly. I couldn't find anything that looked appealing. I couldn't find anything that even looked remotely like what I'd seen up in the hills. And so I thought, I'm not meant to do it. And I reckon about two months later, Seaford was chartering and there was an article in their local newspaper and the web address. So I went on there and it was bright, it was vibrant, it was informative, it was everything I wanted. And so I spoke to Mark and Mark said, we're chartering tomorrow. Would you like to be a charter member? We were having a cocktail dinner and I thought, oh, that sounds good. Okay, I'll do that. I had no idea what that meant. Um, and I went along. My first meeting, so I signed up that day, not really knowing what I was getting into, but that's me. Some people don't work that way. My first meeting I went to was our AGM and they were looking for their president-elect and I put my hand up and said, I'll do that figuring I had 18 months to figure out what that meant. It, it's a bit of a different story, but I love, I love empowering people. I love making a difference. I love being part of something that makes people feel good. Everything I've done has been a part of that. Obviously now I'm in a district leadership role and I've picked up public image this year as well. So they've given me membership and public image. But I think that's because they go together. They support one another. Everything I talk to is only what Mark's been talking to for the last four years. Well, probably way beyond that. I love what we do. I love that we change lives. I love that we make a difference. And, and I'm really proud to be part of a group that do really good things. So why am I in Rotary? I could not be in Rotary. <laughs>
Fantastic. Thank you, Fiona. Let's have a great round of applause for a fantastic presentation by Fiona. Thank you. Thank you, Fiona. Thank you. I will say a little a little piece here. I do get quite passionate about this stuff, so <laughs> um, I, I just think where we can make a difference, and especially as membership chairs or leaders, then I think that's really important. And, and I walk my talk both in my my job and in Rotary because that's what I value. Mm. And you do it well. Good night, everyone, and thank you for joining us tonight. See you Thank all. You. Thank you. Bye.